0: As we approach the end of a semester and the end of another school year, I'm reminded of how it felt trying to study for my first big test in college, my Music History 101 final exam. The textbook was ginormous, I had a whole notebook full of notes, and I just remember being a bit overwhelmed and having no idea how to approach studying for a cumulative test like this in the limited time I had available because much like practicing i assumed that studying just meant reading and reviewing something in your head over and over until it was burned into your brain somehow and that takes a ton of time so not really knowing what else to do i read and reread the book reviewed and re-reviewed my notes and tried to familiarize myself with the material as best as i could which evidently was not the best approach because i ended up with a c on that final or maybe a c minus but in any case it was not good A couple years later, I took a class on cognitive psychology, and I remember the professor suggesting that we try out several study strategies that I'd never used before. They sounded pretty simple and even a little obvious, like spacing study sessions out over time, or sleeping instead of cramming in an all-nighter, or testing yourself, whether it be with the questions already printed in the chapters, or by creating your own test questions to quiz yourself with. I pretty much ignored all of this advice, of course, and just continued to use my read and reread strategy, not because I didn't believe my professor, but partly because it seemed to me that these were more advanced study strategies. Like, sure, those strategies sound great, but you have to do the reading and rereading study strategy first, right? Of course, I always seemed to run out of study time and never got to those advanced strategies, so should I have listened to my professor and used those strategies right from the very beginning? A team of researchers recruited 82 students who attended a developmental psychology lecture learning new and unfamiliar material. 20 minutes before the end of the lecture, participants were told that there'd be an extra learning phase that would help them memorize what they had just learned. Participants were randomly separated into three groups and given 10 slides from the lecture with specific instructions on how to study the material. One group, the generating questions group, was asked to generate a test question and answer for each slide, based on the bolded keywords. The testing group, on the other hand, was asked to answer questions that were already pre-written by the experimenters, and if they couldn't come up with the answer on their own, they were allowed to refer to the slides to look up the answer. The final group, the restudy group, they were asked to go through all the slides and memorize the content. Participants may have assumed that that was the end of their involvement in this study, but one week later, to see how much of the material had actually made it into their long-term memory, everyone was given a surprise 10-question test of the material, with no advance warning. Five of the questions were the exact questions that the testing group answered in their study session. Questions like, What are indicators of a theory of mind at the end of children's first year of life? The other five questions were so-called transfer questions, questions that still refer to the same slides and bolded words, but required the participant to make generalizations or inferences to other contexts, like, what is the benefit of understanding pointing gestures for young children? Name one function. So, what sort of effect did the different study strategies have on test performance? Well, the restudying group that read and reread the slides had an average score of 45%. The group that was asked to answer test questions had an average score of 56%. And the group that was asked to generate their own questions and answers also scored around 56%. So to be honest, I was a little surprised that the generating questions group didn't score any higher than the testing group did. But to be fair, they might have had a bit of a disadvantage given that the test question group did actually see those same questions in their study session the week prior. In any case, both of the test question groups outperformed the restudying group by about 11% on both types of questions, which if you extrapolate that out of it, could potentially be like a letter grade difference. So why is generating your own test questions a more effective study strategy than reviewing lecture material? Well, the authors describe a couple potential reasons. For one, having to create your own questions and answers forces you to process the material in a deeper way than you would if you're just reading the content. Also, there seems to be something significant about having to rephrase or restate a concept in your own words. The researchers note that this creates greater, quote, representational variability of the material, which is a fancy way of saying that having to reconceptualize or make sense of a concept in your own words creates more potential pathways for retrieving the content. So in terms of the application of this to music, yeah, the idea of creating your own test questions might not apply quite so directly to procedural skills like playing an instrument, but I do think that the general idea of testing yourself could apply to the memorization process, where you test your ability to navigate the various performance cues that you might have created in the course of memorizing a piece. And it certainly makes sense to test yourself in other ways too, whether it's doing a recorded run-through first thing in the morning, or playing for a friend without much of a warm-up to simulate a performance. But the real application of this is in classroom settings, whether it's studying for finals in college, or trying to learn a concept more deeply in a continuing ed class. And if you happen to be a teacher, the researchers made one suggestion that I thought might actually be pretty fun to try. They said that they've heard anecdotal reports of at least a few teachers who have asked students to generate their own test questions during lectures. And to get students excited or motivated to actually do this, they offer to include some of these student-generated questions on the actual exam itself. You can find links to this week's study and other resources at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week.